Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks, Kath. It's nice to see you with your Chrissy tree. Yes, I'm here in the Christmas Palace. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can't see it, but just think fireplace, flashing lights, lots of decorations. Um, oh, I'm watching it on YouTube. About that, that we didn't have the visual on some of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's true. That's true. So I thought I'd come from this area of the house rather than my other little office. So today we are going to talk about what does a supportive relationship look like? And I think that's a good really idea. important topic, especially at this, oh, it's important all through the year, I think you'd agree, Sandy, but this time of the year when families get together and there's stress and all sorts of things going on, it can be even more important. So I suppose the question is, what do we mean by a supportive relationship? Yep, and I think that there is a fine line between what's supportive and what is enabling oh, yes. and what and what is non-supportive. You've gone so, straight and, to a branch. Before we even got into the actual definition of the topic, she's now got a subtopic going. Welcome to our wandering minds with, <laughs> with Sandy. All right, so let's look at what perhaps... Um, a supportive relationship is. Now, for the non-visual, I'm going to do, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to do some visuals. <laughs> okay, so yes, I've got my hands up and so, and this represents two people. So we'll just talk about, it could be two or many, but I'm not an octopus, so I'm using two hands. So in uh, relationships, sometimes you get one person leaning on one, and one other person leaning on another. Sometimes both of you are leaning on each other. And in any of those situations, if someone walks away, other than the person that's standing up, that person will fall down or you both fall down. So uh, in a nutshell, a supportive relationship sort of like, looks like two people standing independently but joined. So if at any stage in that, that one needs to walk away, you're self-supporting. But what does that supporting part look like? What does that represent? And, you know, for so many individuals and each absolutely, we go into the sub-categories here, it is, it's very, very different for each situation on what that supportive thing is. So say you're doing... Sorry to interrupt. Yes. Enter the lifespan as well. It can it changes. Yes, it changes. Like whether you're a child, uh, adolescent, you know, teenager, you know, an elderly, or somewhere in between. <laughs> and also, it depends on the situation. So whether it be death, marriage, birthdays, Christmas, drugs, whatever. There's so many different things. So it's it's as I think that. Uh, the people that listen to us and watch us, it, it's an incredibly, incredibly expansive uh, subject. So I'm just going to run with what an overview of what a supportive relationship would look like and then I think it would be good if we start breaking some of those down into well, some of the subcategories. I think we also need to talk a little bit about what a non-supportive relationship looks like because sometimes yeah. people might, you might go, yeah. oh, you think you've got a supportive relationship that you think that the person that you, um, you know, work alongside is being supportive when in actual fact they're undermining you or they're not being supportive. So recognise... But they think they are. 
<laughs> they think they might think they might have perfectly good intentions and they think that they're making you a better person but uh but in actual fact they're not being supportive so yes so that's one of the subcategories it is one of the subcategories yeah and often yeah, yeah you say people don't necessarily recognize it unless it's pointed out to them going that's not supportive that's controlling that's not supportive that's undermining so, or that's about you yeah okay so often the person that uh thinks that they're doing supportive stuff, their, their actions are actually re reflective on them, which to a certain extent is correct, but not always. So supportive to relationship. I'll just do a little bit of an overview of what that is, and we will do that. We'll break it down into what it isn't and is. So a supportive relationship uh, is a recognition of the person that you're with uh, independent of yourself. So it's when you, when you can take yourself out of that and your own um, needs, wants and behaviours and go, what is it that would be beneficial for the person that I would like to be in support of? Realising it does go both ways. But when we look at that, that in itself is it really is and this is not about throwing yourself on the sword. It's not about being a martyr, none of those sort of things at all. But really in being of support of someone, say if it was through, um, I'm just going to pick one, um, a death, all right? So we'll go just because just that's the one that popped into my head. And you're potentially, say, a partner. And, you know, because everyone does death differently, some people are very good with it, some people are quite broken with it, some people are in uh, uh, inconsolable. You know, there's all this. So we'll go to, so we'll just set up a little bit of a, a picture and then we'll talk about both of us of what that would be. So I'm going to throw that out to you. I'm going to set it up and you can talk about what you would view a supportive relationship is. And I think the people that are listening to us will be really interested because Kath and I, I know naturally we will interact within that and it will go places. And it will be, you know, I might premise it at store, Kath will go, well, what about, and it could be, da-da-da-da-da, because this is well, scenarios. Let's do, so anyone that's been to relationship counselling with us as, as couples where often um, uh, Sandy takes one um, person in the relationship and I take the other and uh, we're seen as often the angel and the devil you know the the, the good cop bad cop is and, and it does swap and it does swap <laughs> around depending on what's going on because sometimes you have to grab your clients and sort of go hey that's you know that's unfair fighting that's this and other times it's like you know you you're looking at things and going okay we need to be supportive here so let's play yeah. good cop bad cop. as you can see we really think these things through and script them before we do them because this is all natural this is us in our natural habitat and environment years ago you do what's each element you you set it up you tell me what the supportive tell us what the supportive part looks like and i'll be the devil and i will tell you what it looks like when they're not supportive all right and then we'll have to and we'll actually probably have to call it a bit too for people to actually recognize what we're doing Absolutely. Right. So you, so you set up the scenario. Somebody has sadly passed away. Yep. Yeah, so we've got a couple, husband and wife, all right? What are you? And it is the husband. No, no. So husband and wife husband and they're heterosexual. Okay. We're just yeah. going something mainstream and vanilla. 
Okay, so um, so husband and wife and the husband's uh, mother has died and his relationship with his mother was uh, a very good relationship. There wasn't a lot of trauma there, like he had a good upbringing, you know, all, so really a nice sort of thing. And so he was, he's in quite deep mourning because he misses his mum and his sudden um, passing or, or long slow demise. long slow we'll just go and miss it. we'll just go the you know end of life you know yes. stuff and you know he'd done a lot of the stuff with his mum beforehand and and it was a very nice passing as well um but he's missing her and is a bit lost doesn't know how to organize a funeral doesn't know how to let you know tell people around him um, he wants to shut down a bit and just mourn her, not with people around him. He wants to do that. But he's actually got a lot of pressure on him to do um, the thing because he's the only son. Father's already passed, so this is all up to him. Oh, and he's got, you know, lots of extended family on his mother's side, right? So that's what, what our scenario is. And the wife, um, they have a good relationship and have always seemed to um, get through a lot of things. They have good communication, but he has always been the slightly more organised, dominant with getting things done. And he's not fulfilling that part at this point because of how he's travelling. All right, so there's the scenario. Okay, got it. All right, so, you know, there's, within that, I would suspect that, you know, you've got all of those sort of things happening. What would be really nice is for the wife to be able to take her preconceived ideas of what her husband had done, and they've got a long-term relationship, very long-term. So those roles within that relationship are really founded and they're established. And she but would have seen him in grief before. No, I don't. Yeah, but, but the father was, you know, sort of, it was all organised. The mother did all of that. Absolutely. So but still there's a backlog of how he personally deals with grief, whether he goes, you know, doesn't sleep, because I don't sleep. I don't sleep until the people are buried. Like I'm, I go into organisation mode. So, yes, you might do something different this time around. However, she would un be unrecognising of how he handles grief. Yeah. And so what he would be seeking is a supportive uh, sort of thing. And at that point, she's just going, you know, why are you not doing this? This has to be done. And that is non-supportive. What a supportive relationship would look like is if the wife could go, okay, this is a different death. Each death is individual because already she's then preconceived. He knows how to deal with this because his father died. Yes. Okay. And that's what I, sorry, I, I'm just going to interrupt. What I wasn't saying that he should handle it that way. What I was saying is she should then be able to recognize the difference and say, he normally would do this. I see a difference. I need to be have a different level of support here because I'm recognizing that this is a different one. Yep. 
So you know what? We're agreeing with each other. We're meant to be the devil and the angel here. I haven't gotten into <laughs> being the devil yet. Wait until I talk about I've got midweek ladies tennis on Tuesday, so you need to organise this funeral because I don't have time for it. There you go. There, that's what we need. All right. And so when you're outwardly looking at that, that's not supportive of, no. of taking yourself out of your own situation. Dating the going, you had a long yeah, time and, before she died. You should be ready for this now. Why didn't you get organised beforehand? I don't know. You always do all these things. You do all of these things. These are This is exactly what you should be doing. And so that's a non-supportive relationship because especially in those periods of grief, when we're talking about it, the supportive behaviour that you would look at in that scenario is actually short-term. Your life returns to normal per se a different type and you grow but when you get in, entrenched in not being able to recognize outside your own wants and needs you know and you know the wife that you know has got the golf on the Tuesday and you know is and, and there's this yeah oh sorry sorry I, I don't know why I went to golf I play neither of those <laughs> Maybe she has golf later on in the week. Who knows? Easy. <laughs> um, so, you know, you sort of look at it and the ability in a supportive relationship is to be able to short term in that scenario is to really take yourself out of your own life and look to the wants and needs of that per person but if that becomes a long-term behaviour, then that then becomes enabling. That's correct. So I've been in this situation, as you're aware. And so have I. <laughs> yeah. Both. Yeah. Yes, you have. We're, and we've both cancelled people through this as well. We certainly have. So I've lost both my in-laws in, in the last four years, both to long Oh, guess what? This is the day mum died six years ago. Oh, there you go. There you well, go. Yes, so yes. It's interesting that I picked a uh, I only thought of that just now. <laughs> Yesterday was the 11th anniversary of my grandfather's passing. So it's been, it's the week for it. And, you know, he was, that's another one. He was very near and dear to me and I was with him all through that, that process, 18 months that he was sick before he passed. And I'm lucky I have a partner who is very supportive when it comes to grief. He's not very supportive in some of the other aspects of our life. But when it comes to grief and when somebody has died, he steps up to the plate. He's very good. He clears a space. And I suppose that's how I would um, maybe explain it. He clears a space for me to be able to do what I need to do in the moment. Um, All right. So while we've um, sort of cleared up um, potentially you know, only momentarily some of that. Let's work into the murky waters of addiction and support. Oh, yes. Oh, God, this is a hard one. This is really because this on what is support and what is enabling, oh, my God, it is so hard. Like it really, really is. It's And it's so individual. I know that both Kath and I have, um, worked um, with families and addicts and the expectations and the confusion 
in what is supportive and what is not non-supportive of addiction. It is incredibly, incredibly complicated and complex. Often, and I'll add a note in here, often it's the narrative that the family work with that, um, that dictates that, and that is, you know, the stories that they tell themselves about why yeah. things happen the way that they are and why people think the way that they do and, and, you know, often it's a preconceived narrative. Like it's, this is the way it's always been. This is what we always do. This is what they've always done. This is how we've always acted. All of And the- both Kath and I go into being, we're both uh, solution-bound therapists. No yes. matter wherever we're coming from, whichever way we approach it, we are both 100% into solution finding. Um, not into re-traumatisation, not into, even though there are times when we'll go back and as Kath said about, you know, the narrative, because you need to know where it comes from, yeah. uh, especially things like uh, actually every part of your life. And it's then because when we allow ourselves to think and feel in a different way, because we have free will and we grow every day. That's okay, right. Okay, so so yeah. the thing is that the supportive stuff, some of this, and I, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of a nutshell with this one. I know that you'll you'll take it places, Kath, is that within a supportive relationship in something like that when you do extended family stuff on what that narrative is on staying in addiction or coming out of addiction, and it doesn't matter whether it be drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, Shopping, I don't care, anything. Um, So often people are placed in historic behaviour and are often pigeonholed into you're an addict, you're a recovering addict, you're still in active addiction, all this stuff. So when, in a nutshell, on a supportive behaviour, it's allowing yourself and allowing the people, the people around you, the supportive text is not holding you in historic behaviour. So that's a, an incredibly empowering thing for realising that you can grow both mentally, physically and emotionally. It's not just one area of growth. And so you can grow out of it. So if you've got a family that's giving you a narrative of this is the way we've always done it, that's historic and it's not supportive. I'm going to put my hand up and say I'm, I have a client at the moment who is living this. So mm. he um, was released from prison 12 months ago and he decided to make a major, major change to the way he lives, the people he socialises with, the way he works. He decided that he was going to put an end to his past behaviour and I, I suppose I simplify that by saying it in in as many words as what I just have and it has been difficult for him however he has literally held it with both hands and said this is how it is going to be his father so he's given himself a supportive uh behavior a supportive he's allowed himself his own supportive relationship he's backed himself Basically, he yeah. backed himself and he's been very open and honest with how hard it has been at times and he he's very um, forthcoming to look for support from, from his counsellor here who he thinks is the world of. Um, I don't know why he thinks I'm so good. I, he's that's because you're amazing, Kat. That's what he keeps telling me. He said that two <laughs> days ago. But he, he's doing the work. He is doing the work and we recognise that. Um, 
On the other hand, we have his parents, which are together. They're married to each other and live together. His father is very supportive, very happy, very um, looking at, at the steps that he's taking, can see the difference in his son, tells him so, supports him to continue on that road, um, uses all the right, you know, changes the narrative because he was very much like my son. There's no hope for him. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. But now he doesn't do that. He's very supportive. Mum, different story. Mum is staying in the trauma. Mum is staying. Mum is working two years ago, 18 months ago, and will not let go of it. And she says, you know, um, she, she articulates this to him basically. Well, with everything that you've done, you know, I, I don't expect this to last. So that's a non supportive that's relationship. We've got it all in the one family. We've got it coming from yeah. both sides. And so what has he done? He has ceased having a relationship, a communicative, close and sharing relationship with his mother, who he's also always been very close with because he feels that lack of support. And he doesn't want to take the negativity on this pathway because he understands the importance of where he's going. And his yeah, father. Whereas I'm working with a family um, in a different zone, and they came to me because they wanted to work on how to be a supportive um, parent of an addict coming out of addiction. Absolutely. And um, having the and it's like the the things that I see that are non-supportive um, and, you know, we've done this several times. When you see it in live action and you can call it, it's empowering because the person, that when people are open to realise what a supportive relationship is looks like and they realise that they're doing non-supportive behaviour but by going into historic behaviour, and placing themselves in that as, as being the way. Yes. Because in the supportive, in a supportive relationship, it's the person that actually requires support needs to have the space and the support to feel themselves because their own support is paramount, which is what your client has done. So you know, he's gone, say- this is where I am. I don't want that, that one but I need this one. So he is becoming self-supporting, so this part. You know, he was, um, quite, um, he was quite proactive. He has strongly requested that both of his parents attend sessions with me so that I could go through supportive actions yeah. and relationships um, with him. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, um, that's been declined yeah. Um, quite strongly and um, and that has upset him further because he understands that the reason that they're doing that is because they don't want, well, not so much his dad, but his mum doesn't want to face the changes. And if you yeah, do that, Because she's happy to stay in, because she hasn't removed herself uh, and this goes back to what does a supportive relationship look like and this is sort of across the board, is that when you can remove yourself into understanding what support looks like and not enabling and not controlling. But when you can be there and just be flexible enough in your processing to go, to actually do some of those questions, is this support, is this enabling, is this damaging, is this, and you can do your own sort of like self-assessment within it and to do nothing is sometimes the best support you can do. Mm. Sometimes just 
in grief, uh, even in addiction, even in gambling, just to sit with someone and say nothing. If they're struggling with whatever is happening for them at that moment, to sit there and just hold someone's hand and say, Jack, it's sometimes an amazing amount of support, especially if the person that's sitting with them, because we do, we read body language, we read vibes, we read, you know, what people are getting off and all the rest. And if you're sitting there with just love and support in your heart, holding someone's hand, saying nothing, that can be a, an amazing thing. And, and, you know, the person might need to offload and you, you do nothing but let them use that space. You can drive in silent, you know, that you know that they just need to get somewhere to attend an appointment. You can't fix it. You can't bring, we can't resurrect people as much as we might try in a full moon with, you know, buried crystals or what have you. We can't resurrect <laughs> things. Yeah. We can't repair anything that might have happened before, you know, they passed or changed it or we can't do any of those things. But what we can do is as I've said, you know, my partner gives me space to do things. So he'll he'll clear that, you know, I know you need to do this. I won't add anything more onto your list. I will take and, that, and that's and that's and he recognizes that's you. Whereas say in the scenario that I premised to start off with, that husband, instead of having space made, because she's off playing tennis not golf um instead of doing that one of the things that potentially that wife could be is put all of that side and said honey would you like me to do this with you or would you like me just to do this and run it past you Mm. you know that is uh that you know for you the the correct thing is you needed the space you need the space to do and that's why it's individual of actually taking yourself out of it. Like he knows that fear. I'm practicing a, a supportive relationship role at the moment, actually. Now I think it just came to my mind. And this is this is related to Christmas. So ordinarily I do Christmas, not um so we, we go to, to Rob's sister's place that so she's got the bigger house for his family. But um and, and same with my family, but I have a friend who doesn't have family in Melbourne. So we have a family Christmas together. And normally I do it. So I do all the catering because I've got the, as you can see, I love Christmas. I've got all of this. But this year she's going to do it all. And she's so excited because she's taken the reins and she's going, should I do this? And and she wants to get it right. And a controlling or non-supportive person would go, yeah, that you can't, no, we're not doing that. No, this is how you should do it because this is how I always do it. I do this yeah, and I do that. And I don't want to end up with, you know, Bill Hartz here at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, instead I'm just sitting back going, you knock yourself out. You just tell me what you need. I'll bring whatever it is. And then every time she comes up with an idea, she's like, I've got this pin the hat on Santa. And I'm just like, brilliant. This is great. Let's just go with it. If that's a type of Christmas you want to host, I'm on board. So I'm, you know, I'm supportive of whatever she wants. And and we've got our Hello Fresh box coming of food. And I'm, you know, I just give her, my, we're going to do this. I'll do whatever. And a supportive right. thing would be is if she said, you know, and I'm going to line up the little baggies of ice in the centre of us. You go, no, no, we don't do that sort of Christmas. And that is also supporting <laughs> behaviour. That's right. So I'm not supporting negative behaviour, but I'm supporting her to do what right. she wants to do, to have the control. 
all, all for and I'm, you know, apparently I'm told I don't believe this, the biggest control freak when it comes to Christmas, but I, I don't see it. But, um, <laughs> but I'm quite happy to sit back and, you know, she's got the reins and it's a, we're in an equal friendship where we can discuss things and, and you know, she knows if she stuffs it up because um, we had an incident. There is no stuff up. It'll be a magnificent. I've never told you about the out-of-date floor turkey. So, um, <laughs> all right. Well, there's a, that's a learning. That's a learning space. So, if, if something goes wrong, I don't. You know, there's no way that I would stand there and say to her, "You got this wrong. You failed. You didn't do it." I just go to what? Well, McDonald's is open. Well, it doesn't. And it, you know what? It doesn't matter. We will work around it. We'll work together, and that's what supportive looks like too. It's that that you know, meeting an objective together without somebody putting anybody else down, doing judgment, calling names, cracking it, leaving spaces, whatever it is, it's just about enjoying the company and looking after each yeah, other. And, and it's interesting that you said those sort of things because even, you know, when I was saying that where you come from is in a supportive behaviour is very, very important. Like, so what you're saying, calling names, da, da, da. Even say you were the person sitting there holding someone's hand in grief. You were sitting there holding someone's hand in grief and what's going through your head is, I've got to get to bloody tennis. This is really annoying me. Da, da, da. You're not being supportive. Midweek ladies tennis is very competitive, I'm told. So, you know, it is. But, that you know, this is, this, that, and that's the difference. That's the difference is you can be doing physically all the right things and even verbally you can be doing all the right things in each different situations. But if it is not coming, it comes across incorrectly. And that, and the enabling is the next thing. So there is a point, yeah. you know, people say you cannot um, tell somebody how long they should grieve for or how they should grieve, and that, that is 100% correct. However, as a supportive person, you cannot enable them to stay in the stages of grief when it is to the detriment of themselves and also to allow other people to drag them back into that phase. And or I judge them for the period, like so everyone does grieving differently, or to judge them for how they grieve. I've seen unsupportive family members say um you shouldn't be having fun don't you realize that auntie bessie has died and i and i'm not talking you know she's lying in in wait just you know over to the side there and they haven't buried her i'm talking about she's been gone for 12 months or two years and nobody is permitted to enjoy themselves to laugh to to celebrate life or to do any of those things and live their normal life because they're being told you lost somebody, you need to stay in that grief. And that's not... Actually, uh, saying that, I, I have a little analogy that I often use for people um, when they're wondering how to do some support in some of those situations. And you could basically cookie-cutter this scenario into a lot of the scenarios. Um, and it's, it's centred around grief. And in the ancient times, you know, in a lot of the... Um, you see that a lot of the Italian ladies that wear black through grieving and once someone dies, they wear it for the rest of their life, which turns into a mart martyrdom. 
But the way it originally came about, I was led to understand, is that in a village situation when someone died, the, you know, family, wife, husband, whatever, would wear, would wear black and they were uh, encouraged to grieve openly throughout the village and people would give them a hug and all the rest. And throughout that, there was a period there where they were not required to work in the fields, to cook bread, to do anything. They were supported by a village. But when at some point, you know, this sort of unwritten thing, we need you back, we need you working and we need you productive member of this community. What evidently they used to do is that they would start giving them coloured clothes, a scarf, you know, and all of this. And it was like, we recognise you, we need you back. And it's this beautiful sort of transition that was unspoken but was representative. And then at some point someone said, no, 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 I'm not wearing the coloured scarf. I am going to martyr myself for the rest of my life. And so then it became that they wore black for the rest of their lives. But the, the original text of how that was to be seen and how it actually was lived for, a, you know, hundreds of years was that. And I just thought, I always sort of think and reflect on how supportive that is as a community, you know, because they needed people to be productive in a community. Um, but they also really recognised the person in mourning. I just thought it was, a, it's a beautiful little story. And one that I think holds weight in a lot of areas. You can recognise and support loss without enabling extended, unhelpful grief, damaging grief, because it can it can it can affect entire families and and um, you know and it is it is difficult as we've we've experienced our fair share of loss, mm. but there are still people living. And we, you know, but if if you cop, uh, if you sort of did, you know, the cookie cutter of that in someone with addiction, yeah, you know, say the person in addiction is, you know, wearing the black, but as they start to become clean, there's this supportive stuff around not holding them in the black behaviour. That's right. Okay, that's what I was saying. It's almost like this cookie cutter. And as Kath said, you know, we obviously rehearse all of this and write it down regularly. I, I just, it, it's one that, you know, this could have been very short had I come up with that right at the beginning. That's me. Why, when you come to a therapist or us, those therapy sessions may go for an extended period. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's that, you know, if I, I think that if I, if, you know, the, the people that we talk to just took that little nugget away. It would give them something to think about in a really nice way about themselves, but extended outwardly too. Like I think it's a, you know, a really nice sort of thing, you know, because as Kat said, we, um, you know, last year we did, you know, drama, you know, about, of Christmas of you know how that is and basically there's there's a very similar theme because people experience some really harsh times around expectations on dates you know and uh, so to be mindful of what a supportive behavior is outwardly and inwardly 
um, I think is paramount in because uh, it frees you up, like it gives you more resources. It you think kindly of yourself and of the people around you, and it's 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 a it's a beautiful thing. We probably need to do a podcast on grief as well. Oh, I think that we could do. Uh, I think we could do a couple of years on grief because it's. Yeah. It's 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 because it, it forms into like any micro subject that we would choose, or any of these sort of things has uh, a cascading effect into life and how we see and view it, you know. And it's it's always interesting and it's reflective. Like I've been working recently with a client. And I'm having huge amount of self-reflection within each session we have, and I've expressed it to her as well, you know, because it's. I think that those things are sort of integral. But it's just beautiful, you know, when you are giving and feeling and it's that beautiful flow and it's easy. It's not hard to be supportive. And it's also not hard to receive support. You know, some people find it incredibly challenging because the person that thinks they're doing support is actually doing the wrong thing because they're not recognising the person. Yeah. Mm. Right. It's important. Supportive relationships are important. Yep. In every area. And that, like we talked about, is probably some of the more challenging. But when you extend that out to the workplace, to friendships, to school mums, to the person that you talk to in the supermarket. People that are studying and having issues with their courses, all of these things. <laughs> all of that. I mean, and it is. It's, 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 and none of it is martyrdom. Like if it feels like martyrdom, then you're coming from the wrong area. Yeah. You know, you're not recognising the person in that space. And you're also not recognising yourself in that space. You recognise you're a martyr too. Maybe that's another podcast. Oh, God, yeah. There's another couple of years' worth of work. I mean, because it is. Are all of those roll together. Oh, Are you a martyr? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been lovely chatting to you again. Oh, and I'd love to see you in your, your Christmas palace. Yes, yes, my Christmas palace. So, I think that if we get another one in before Christmas, who knows? I've got this really nice little flashy uh, Christmas tree. I put the, my Christmas tree up last night. The cat jumped on it and fell over. So I have to put it up again today. But I, 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 next time if we get one in before Christmas, which for us is not always likely, I'll, I'll put a Chrissy tree here. Well, I'm surprised because I've got the dogs have just discovered they can play with each other really, really fiercely. I'm surprised that the tree hasn't just been dancing around behind me as the dogs play underneath it. So <laughs> I've done very, very well to keep it, you know, to keep everybody under control. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where can you listen to us? Spotify. Spotify? Spotify. 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 I hope you don't use any spray on that. Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud and iTunes or you can watch this on YouTube. Don't forget to follow us, Mind Matters with Sandy and Kathleen on the Facebook page and you can email us at, um, I don't know, what are we? I don't know, Mind Matters. Oh, well, Center at oh, right. com. There you yep. go. Okay. <laughs> you can tell everyone has a lovely festival season. 
And doesn't matter what religious bent you are, I just hope everyone just has a wonderful time. And be kind to each other and play nicely in the sandbox. Exactly. Respect and kindness. Loving kindness. We work with that, we'll all be on the right page. Bye, Sandy. Bye, Miss Kat. (laughs) Thanks for joining us.